You're listening to Unsweetened and Unfiltered, the podcast, episode six of season two. Life after the wedding bells and big white dress may not be the fairy tale you imagined it to be. Your husband's dirty laundry is just inches away from the hamper, and he forgot to pick up the one thing you asked him to get from the grocery store again. Today, we sit down with Yasmin Al Hadi, aka Yaz Guru, to talk about the married life and how to avoid pulling out all of your hair. Hey, it's Danielle and Zaina, and welcome to Unsweetened and Unfiltered, the podcast where we elevate the voices of women by sharing their stories of struggle while also highlighting their success. We wanted to create a space for women to feel like they're not alone in whatever hardship they may be facing. Some conversations may be lighthearted, while others may touch upon taboo topics ranging from mental health to women's bodies and spiritual struggles, and we don't shy away from any of it. But our overall mission is to make every woman realize that she is not alone. We are all in this together, I promise. Our sole purpose is to build relationships, not barriers, between you and the woman who may need you. We're here to provide inspiration and to build courage. Tune in every Wednesday where we'll feature an insightful guest who will help us reach these goals. We laugh, we ugly cry, and we'll probably laugh some more. So plug in your headphones, grab your favorite cup of coffee or shea, and get ready to become a part of this unbreakable sisterhood. You are tuning into season two of Unsweetened and Unfiltered. Okay, guys, I'm wondering if you agree with Zane and I, because we were just having this conversation about like what we're watching. I've been really behind on Netflix. I just know there's a lot of good shows. Everybody's been teasing on their snaps. So I definitely have to get back to Netflix. But another guilty pleasure of mine is TLC. And if you know TLC, they have all these episodes or shows like Arranged Marriage, 90 Day Fiance. What was the other one? Oh, Love is Blind. Love but is that's blind. not on TLC. That's- yeah, that's on Netflix. Talk about Love is Blind because I didn't know what it was until you explained it. Okay, so I haven't watched it. I've seen people, like you said, snap it. People are talking about it at work. Like while we're trying to be in a professional setting, they're talking about this Netflix show. That You're I such guess, a nerd. I know. Well, I'm trying setting. to focus on my work and they're talking about TV. <laughs> but no, it's a. I guess it's a show where it's like a speed dating thing but you don't see the person you're talking to kind of you're you're talking to them but you don't see how they look you don't see anything about their physical appearance so basically you're trying to click with this person behind the wall and then you finally meet them okay this might sound shallow what if you don't like how they look physically well i feel like attraction is a big part of how you feel about someone right i 100 agree you have to you guys i this might sound wrong but you should be physically attracted to the person you're marrying i guess what their point is is they want that emotional connection that overcomes the physical attraction but i get it i mean sometimes you like someone's personality and then you start to like how they look based off of their personality (laughs) dunia's like nah never happened (laughs) it never worked for me honestly actually but i'm what i'm the reason why zane and i talked about this is because we're like what the heck tlc you're basically copying the way our ancestors or our grandparents kind of met like since when is it centuries yeah like since when is it cool to have an arranged marriage like they used to talk so much about us being they're banking off of our like our ancestors 
way, way of, of life meeting. it's crazy their, lo- their love life basically and i looked at that and i, m- I remember I once made a snap i'm like you know i love the show but how is this okay just because an american television network is able to like make it okay but when we were doing it it was like oh no go save the muslims they're gonna save them they're they getting crazy? oppressed you know honestly but they make it so entertaining <laughs> I mean, but that's like everybody else that's in our community that has an arranged marriage or anything like you know what i mean that's just the way it is yeah, like it's, you're yeah. gonna face all these issues that come out or even 90 day fiance how many people do we know that married somebody from the blood and they brought them here like that's just the process yeah. it's really how about this it's interesting to see it on tv to see it from like that perspective because whenever you know like a cousin married somebody from the blood you don't know the process or what visa or anything that's just, so true yeah. oh they got married and you're waiting for the paperwork my mom always says oh they're just waiting for the paperwork and like it's like oh what, what does that even mean but i i kind of like how they're bringing it into light but i don't like how they're now it's a cool thing to have an arranged marriage it or to be me. engaged for 90 days like oh my god how many times we would say like oh my god that was such a quick engagement like you guys didn't really get to know each other but these people are going on tv and basically getting engaged and married within 90 days i feel like there's no, so much more shows that we're missing there that's like the same thing literally that's oh, 100 i think the only one that we wouldn't relate to is the bachelor because it's not like we're like Right? Like, I don't think we well, would no, to the, the bachelor. bachelor. I mean, moral of the story is, like, freaking the West makes everything seem normal. But, like, you know, when we do it, it's like, no, that's How so about wrong. we start a new uh, reality show, Zayn and Dunya, and just follows us around. And then we can so bang people can go life. to bed and snore because they'd rather watch paint dry on a wall. <laughs> no, thank you. My I'm, life is so boring, you guys. Well, we since Zayn and I are really boring we have an interesting episode <laughs> for you guys we have Yasmin Al-Hadi aka Yaz Guru aka the funniest girl alive blessing us with her presence on today's episode to talk all things marriage god I I one I wanted her on so bad because when we seen her perform at the Wallace She's Funny comedy show I had tears in my eyes and like had to hold myself from peeing because I was just like laughing so much but then also talking about marriage I mean we talked about getting to know someone with Susie a few episodes ago and that was an incredible episode but now this episode kind of focuses on life after the wedding bells and after marriage and I mean after the wedding and that whole Wait, like, after the marriage no no I mean after the wedding after the big production of weddings that we host and stuff but it's not as fairy tale and butterflies and flowers as we think it is you know well, what I mean because you have to realize you're living with another human being who might not have you know may not have the same lifestyle as you you know not everybody's like literally a clone of somebody else right. you you still love this person you still value them you still respect them but at times sometimes respect is gone during the marriage because you guys can get underneath each other's skin but what yeah what Yasmin is trying to get at is like preventing divorces like there's so many little things that she talks about that we can easily fix like one we'll talk about it in our afterthoughts you guys make sure you guys stick around for our afterthoughts once like the episode is done I feel like I have a lot to say yeah Zayn and I <laughs> talk about the episode but yeah we definitely have a lot to say but again Yasmin Al-Hadi is somebody that a lot of a lot of you guys know as Yas grew on social media and she is somebody who has a great track track record when it comes to matchmaking yes. like she's incredible at it so if you guys are ready for the wedding bells to start ringing and you're hit ready to her up. yes hit her up she's amazing i think she also has a site she does yes. is it yes 
guru.com. I believe so. Yeah. So check that out. We'll link everything for you guys. But again, this is a really good episode. I think when it comes to marriage, this probably will not be our last episode about no, marriage. I but feel I love like how just she so much. takes a serious topic and she makes it funny. She uses the word ratchet in this episode, which so I love. Many times. <laughs> she can only get away with this. But really, like, yeah, she takes a, such a serious topic. But the way she explains it is just so funny, so enlightening, so just like lighthearted. But she gets straight to the point. She's very blunt. And I like that she's blunt. And I think yes. that's why she has such a successful turnaround when it comes to like matchmaking and helping people with the marriage advice and all that stuff and whatnot. But she's incredible. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Stick around for the afterthoughts. And as always, you guys, thank you so much for the love. And we can't wait to see you this Saturday at our events if you do live in Chicago. Yes, I'm so excited. Yeah, and Shola will host more events to see more of you guys. And yeah, thank you for everything, you guys. Let's dive in. Let's do it. Okay, so this is an interesting topic that I've been wanting to cover for the longest, personally. I know, Zaina, you would probably want to cover yeah, this topic. Absolutely. We're going to talk all about marriage today with the one and only Yasmin. And I can't help but to say that I absolutely love your Merry Monday highlights on your Instagram. I literally went through each one and I'm like, where was this girl a couple years back when I really needed her? Because you're somebody that I think, honestly, when it comes to married couples, there's not one person that can do without marriage advice. So how about before we dive in? And we just have you introduce yourself and then we could talk all about marriage. Thank you so much for having me on Unsweet and Unfiltered, the premier podcast, in my opinion, for all things real about Muslim women. Thank you. Um, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, my name is Yasmin, aka Yaz Guru, Yasmin Al Hadi. My job is to enter a relationship just like a business consultant, tell people that they're acting ratchet, what's not efficient, what's a problem, and how to get their partnership back on track. I do relationship advice through the Azguru platform on Instagram, and I do hashtag Merry Mondays every other Monday uh, with topics ranging from every walk of life uh, for people who who want their relationship questions answered. Yeah, I think there's obviously, like as Dunya said, this is so needed because we go through this transition of our life where we're not allowed to talk to boys and we're forbidden to talk to boys. All of a sudden, we find ourselves married and living with someone and it's a big difference coming from our parents house to living on our own with a sort of a complete stranger so I think Mary Mondays prepares us for what we should be expecting and I just want to know how did this idea even come about Yasmin where did you find the need that this is something that we need to talk about and I'm gonna do it somebody's got to do it so the idea for Yaz Guru and Mary Mondays actually came about because I had been professionally matchmaking. Um, I had been doing it for almost a decade. Now I've I put in 12 years, so 46 marriages <laughs> later. <laughs> I so crazy. realized that people just didn't act right. They just did not act right. They didn't approach relationship correctly. They needed to be told what kind of community standards we needed to have. And they needed to be reminded of what, for example, like the correct ethic is in a relationship. And I thought, instead of repeating myself over and over again, I will just do relationship advice. I will just help talk to people about how to act right. Cause we are kind of ratchet, unfortunately. Um, and a little bit of kind of what you were saying, Zaina, that, you know, you find yourself not married one day, can't talk to boys, can't even look at boys, definitely can't touch a boy. That <laughs> disastrous. You know, it's like, then you have to live with a boy, like the same boy forever. You know, that's a very big transition. And um, for the men, it's not any easier. <laughs> it's not any easier at all. They can't, they're, they're not even supposed to look towards the woman. So I thought, 
let's uh let's try to build as a community some standards of behavior and that's where the idea behind it started i know and then you also bring up like a lot of important topics and where do you even get these topics from is it just people just probably sliding into your dms or maybe you've even heard stories from other women and men of issues that they have um within their marriage yes you can imagine i've been because I've been in the business for a while, I have a lot of background um, in what makes people work and then also what breaks people apart. So outside of just bringing people together, I also helped um, actually mediate 17 divorces. They're not the same group of people. Thank God, no overlap between the same. Those <laughs> nice. groups. They're like, oh, really? So 46 marriages and 17 divorces. That sounds terrible. No, alhamdulillah, they're, they're separate groups. But it just sucks because, you know, divorce is, is ugly and difficult. And my entire take on it was how to mediate, you know, if you enter something with Ihsan, if you enter something with goodness, how do you exit with Ihsan? How do you exit with goodness as God tells us to do in the Quran, in our holy book? So um, I started doing that and I realized, wow, we kind of are divorcing for the same reasons over and over and over again. And, you know, there's no big data to prove this or to show us. And, you know, there are groups that I think are out there trying to do that kind of work, which is great for us to have research behind it, like ISPU, the Institute of Social Policy and Understanding here in DC, as well as some other um, clinical psychologists. But anyways, um, in doing that work, I realized I've got to address some topics. And I made like a topic list of like 30 topics. But what's so cool about social media is that it helps people who have real problems come to me. So for example, on Monday, January 20th, I'll be doing the topic of a fertility discussion. How do you have a discussion about fertility with your potential spouse or with your current spouse, uh, especially for women who are you know, uh, in their 30s or late 30s, early 40s? Uh, and that came from the audience. That's true. Yeah. And that's something, but it's almost kind of something like, that's what we do too, Zaina. Like we don't think of these topics just at the top of our mind. You just go on social media and you see what's affecting people. Or there are people out there who are courageous enough to even just share their stories online. And then that kind of gives you the idea of like, okay, this is something that, this is an issue that our community is going through. But I feel like also when it comes to marriage, like, yeah, we go from being single, doing our own thing, not having responsibilities and not even having to think about somebody else when you're making a decision. No. Now you have We're somebody- so selfish when we come from our parents house like we don't have to worry about anything like we come home there's food on the table our laundry is folded and put it away the trash magically takes itself out it's like now yeah. this is the point where you want it to be an adult well here you go this yeah. is your best test this of is what you've been dreaming of basically, basically. Yeah, it's like full-on adulting but with another human that you're supposed to be sharing everything with including an intimate relationship and that's really a lot. It's a lot of heaviness and it's a lot of adulting at one time. And I will say that, you know, you said that we become, we're selfish, you know, we're coming out of our home. Sometimes we're just childish, just plain immature. Not all of us, you know, not all of us are selfish. Not all of us are immature. Some of us have spent some time outside in the real world, like after we left our, our parents' home, but a lot of us don't, um, especially if you come from an immigrant background, uh, because that's considered like, oh, like, why would you do that? You know, why would you do that to your children? Why would you, why would you leave them, um, you know, out in the cold to fend for themselves and do their own laundry or cook for themselves? Like why? Oh, exactly. You know? And that's why I'm thinking, I feel like there are some issues that arise right in the beginning of the first year of your marriage. And that's why they say it's the toughest year of marriage. And you can, if you can overcome that first year, then alhamdulillah, inshallah, you can overcome the many years to come and whatever. But there are some things that I feel can be discussed when you guys are in the engagement period. And I don't think yes. that we discussed them. And we've already made put an episode out there with Susie about this, like in the whole phase of just getting to know somebody. But what are some things, Yasmin, do you think that are like it's super vital? 
vital to kind of have a sit down with your significant other before you get married? What are some topics of conversation that needs to be discussed before you really 100% move on and you sign that marriage contract? So I actually have my own set of questions and I, I have actually uh, created 11 categories of compatibility. And in those 11 categories, I have some, I have in my highlights, like the one, you know, remember I told you I do that because I don't like love repeating myself all the time, but I'm going to tell yeah. you not that this is, not that this is repeating myself, <laughs> but what's so cool is that, you know, because again, social media is a repository of, it can be a repository of really good beneficial knowledge. You know, on the one I have on timelines, it talks about what those 11 categories are, but they include things like how you view your own family and upbringing as being vital to creating your core values. So I have a whole bit on understanding what your core values are, trying to to dissect like what drives me, what has helped me be in very deep, long lasting relationships, I shouldn't be looking to like break the mold and like go after this guy who's like super novel or go after this girl who's like super hot and mysterious and I have no idea how to deal with her. That's not a recipe for long-term success. That's a recipe for like a lot of trial and error, right? And sometimes the error outweighs um, the ability to stay in the relationship. So I, I have that as a, as a topic. I also have obviously kind of like your future plans. So sometimes people have deal breakers in their mind of like the future they want for their children, for example. And they're afraid to talk about that uh, with their significant other, especially during the engagement period because it's supposed to be fun and light debt and like financial issues. You know, people don't want to talk about that. That's kind of heavy in-laws. Like how, you know, how do I really want to develop my relationship with my in-laws? How often am I going to go over there? How often am I expected to go over there? Some of this stuff can't be revealed really because you don't even know how your mom's going to act until you get married. And you're like, mom, are you going to act like that? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't even know. And it's like, well, yeah, like she just took my son or like she just, you know, he just took my daughter and like, he's not acting right. Well, like, okay, like, you know, how can I negotiate that? That's one of the the topic areas, but also um, the idea of roles. So a lot of times people come in with really rigid ideas, like I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom, or I'm going to be a career woman, or I'm definitely going to work all the time. I'm definitely not going to be a stay-at-home dad. And it's like, you don't actually know what's going to happen when you have children. Lots of things change, lots of things associated with people's financial potential as well. And we should be fluid and flexible. It's just kind of amazing to me because the Prophet Muhammad said, I'm like during his time, how fluid and flexible he was and how rigid and absolutely stubborn we are. And how when we're talking about his previous you know, relationship with Khadija and how even his other wives, it seems like it's like blowing our mind for how incredibly open-minded he is. No, he's just like a normal, balanced human. Um, and so I just think a, a lot of the times I was doing a lot of those reminders for people like, hey, what about the prophet? I said, I remember him. He's supposed to be like the mercy to mankind. And then I realized like, I just need to talk to people. Also, I, I try when I'm doing the Merry Mondays not to necessarily talk from a place of a specific religion, but a, a place of God consciousness. And I think that's a big part too of, of discussing your compatibility. How God conscious are you really? And how do you want to be in the future uh, when you're building a relationship? Absolutely. And I love the fact that you talked about rigidness because so many of us are and I feel like I was when I was in in that engagement period but you learn to adapt you learn to change based on like what situation you find yourself in and I feel like that's something that so many younger people don't realize that you have to come into a relationship yes you have your set of things that like you know I pray five times a day that's not going to change but once I have kids I might have to take some time off like you have to be willing to 
compromise. And I feel like people don't know that word. I think we just set roles like from the start. I don't know if it's because that's what we've seen when we were growing up or that's what society puts on us. Like the man should be going out and making the money. You should be the one staying at home and taking care of the child. I do see it changing often. Like I know somebody who her husband was always used to be at work. Now he gets to work from home. And who would have thought that he'd be the one taking care of the child? And he's still working, but he's working from home and he's like the sole child care person or whatever you want to call it. That's amazing. he He didn't expect that and she didn't expect that, but they're going with the flow. And I just really think like compromise, unfortunately, it's kind of like a dirty word now. It feels like there's, and I always say this, like there's a thin line between compromising and being compromised. And the idea is not like if I'm compromising, it doesn't mean I'm always losing something. I could be gaining something amazing. But the truth is that every decision we make, every choice that we make, especially when it comes in relation to someone we love, it's about losing something and gaining something. And so you have to think, what am I gaining? And is it enough? Is it enough for me? And when you're with your spouse and someone, you know, who deeply cares for you and loves you, they want to feel like they're enough, you know? And so you then have to kind of choose like, am I really happy with this scenario? And can I find my happiness? Maybe I'm not happy now. Is this a temporary unhappiness or is it a more long-term thing that I have to address? Yeah. And I think also when you start these marriages and uh, these relationships, I think you need to be transparent. Just like you said, Yasmin, I think it's super important to be transparent when it comes to deal breakers, how you want to live your life and even things about your own self. What are some things that you don't want to, you know, air out your dirty laundry, but this is who you are. And if you know, it's going to come out while you're married, you might as well address it now because I think it's only fair. You would want that. It's kind of like delaying the negative response. Like it's going to come out so just put it out in the open while you're engaged because putting it off until after the wedding and after you know everything's said and done I feel like it creates more of a problem that way because it's like you hid this part of you for so long yeah but it's so hard I want to just say like give each other some like slack like cut each other some slack a lot of people have never been put in this situation so they don't even know themselves and it's not like I can even there's a crash course in knowing myself you know like sometimes you don't know how you're going to react until you're put in a situation you're like yeah that makes me uncomfortable I really don't like that or like huh I'm finding myself resentful and so it's actually really important that when you're in a relationship and you feel sort of those negative feelings bubbling up that you have what we call low negativity threshold meaning you do sweat the small stuff you do say this really bothers me and let's talk about it let's do a weekly check-in where we talk about it in kind of in a in a time not where we're arguing like timing is everything right guys like timing in a relationship If you are like super heated with your spouse and that's when you want to like unload your backpack and be like, and this, and then your mom said that, and then I can't (laughs) believe you looked at me that way. And did you remember what you did on the wedding? Like, no, that's not the right time to be bringing up your resentment, girlfriend. Like, or you're, you know, or a guy could obviously do the same thing. Do you remember how your dad looked at me? Like, um, I'm could have sworn we're talking about picking up the kids from, from preschool, you know, or, or, or whatever, right? It's like, well, you know, you should remember how disrespectful your family was. You're like, I'm not sure that's what we're talking about so i really advocate for a weekly check-in where people do it in a time of you know low frequency low frequency lots of like chill time between the two of you it's kind of harder with kids but you have to you know you have to good make the good habit while you don't have children maybe it's a sunday afternoon maybe it's saturday when you guys go grocery shopping maybe it's the friday when you're home from work and you're having your tea or your coffee and you guys sit and you just talk to each other like real friends like people who are really hashing things out and you give yourself 30 minutes an hour talk about hey, I really like that you did this this week. I really kind of did not like that you did this this week. And I'm trying to figure out why I haven't even identified why that bothered me. But I feel like I kind of had like a negative feeling from that. And I kind of want to like nip it in the bud. That's the best way to curb the big old, 
huge deal breakers later on and the volcanic explosion. Yeah, I'm know. like raising my hand as if I'm in class, but like I wish yes, I you had. Can talk. Yes, you can talk. <laughs> but like I wish I had this advice three and a half years ago because I am like I am exactly what you just described. I was the type that never wanted to like let my walls down because I didn't want to be vulnerable. I wanted to be strong and you know whatever, and I was hard headed. But I was that person that would explain bottle things up and then explode and then like two years into marriage bring up something that happened three years ago when we were engaged like that was like, me that's not normal no, but it, we do not. it we all do yeah, it yeah and and now I'm learning like when something's bothering me when something when I'm happy that he did something like today he took out the trash without me even having to ask and I just looked at him like oh my god like you're a prince like thank you so much you take care of me I love yes. I value and appreciate when you take out the trash because it makes me feel cared for exactly and I'm I'm learning to be more like vulnerable and like open to communication in ways that like I wasn't four years ago and I think it's also because we stop our thought process up until like the wedding I don't think as when we get engaged and stuff like that not everybody but majority of us we just call us yeah, like, we're so good just mean at planning the wedding planning everything from how even the cake oh, tastes to like the the very like to the flatware you yes. know like oh my god and to the shivari chairs you know like shivari no chair chairs. covers shivari chairs but with the ribbon you're like but what about what about your premarital counselor like what about your spiritual advisor have you guys picked a place to go and talk to a safe place when there's going to be problems you know that arise can we talk about the Yasmin because that's exactly why yes. I brought up that whole idea we don't think of preparation for after the marriage no. and let's talk about counselors but they're also somebody that you can also have before even getting married don't be ashamed yes. to have it yeah forget ashamed let's take that word and put it straight into the garbage can let's talk about being you know good planners let's talk about being really proactive protectors of our union marriage is supposed to be the thing that binds us that protects society uh, that's the islamic view of marriage it's a it's a it's the springboard upon which everything kind of raises from so i want to first just say marriage is not the end it is not the goal marriage is the means it is the means to get to something really beautiful which for us is like a union with allah right like the union with god meaning at the end of life, we believe that we will return to something real. We believe in, a, in an afterlife that has a, you know, absolute permanence to that. So when you're looking at your marriage, you need to be thinking, okay, how can this be a springboard for something really beautiful? Well, one of the most important things is that you protect that union by agreeing on some very important things. Number one, when there's a problem that arises, do we go to each other's families? No, no, don't, don't do that. Your families are never going to forgive your spouse if you badmouth them or if you allow yourself to sort of like vomit things that you can never take back, you know, to his family or to your family or vice versa to when he's talking about you to, to his family or when he's talking about you to your family. So that's number one. You have to say there's some rules about who we talk to when we have problems. Number two, Maybe talking to a best friend could work potentially, but that best friend better act right when they're around your spouse and not judge them and make them feel like garbage. Like I know, like with their eyes, like I know what you said to her last <laughs> yeah. night, you know, like exactly. and she's like doing some like weird side eye. Like you're like, hey, I wish people could see you right now. Yes, me. You're like, chill out, Fatima. Like, can you not do the thing that you do with your eyes? You know what I mean? Like you, that was supposed to be in confidence. So if you're, if you're going to have a very, very small group of people you're going to talk to, make it a tight knit group. Finally, with him, with his input, you know, and, and if you're talking, if there's a, I don't know how many men listen to this, but I hope a lot, but you know, if you're a man and you're thinking, you know, with, with your potential wife, 
who are who is the person that we're going to agree to go and see for maybe some premarital counseling uh, guidance as well as not if the issue arises, when the issues arise between us to protect us, who is the third party interlocutor, right? Who is going to be the, the the disinterested third party? And then finally, a spiritual advisor, someone that you guys both agree on for religious authority. Now, this is really important because I think one of the major things I see in, in Muslim marriages is that people start changing their ideologies or they start changing their practice level. And it puts a heavy strain on the marriage and sometimes will end in divorce. So it's really important that at the very beginning, at the very outset, you guys say, here are the scholars that I respect or like here's the here's the ideas that really like vibe with me and then here are the scholars like I absolutely like don't take advice from and that you guys agree like here's a list of not just one here's a list of like three people that I would like go seek advice from that I think is crucial this is why I love you Yasmin because you really think outside the box because I would never have even thought of oh is are they going to agree with my spiritual advisor you have to really think about the other person not everybody's going to have the yes. same mindset as you and just because we're both Muslim we go to the same mosque yeah it doesn't mean we have the same spiritual leader that we anything. believe in it doesn't mean doesn't, well especially in this world we're like in we're in cancel culture mode you know like people that we really respected who were scholars are being like crucified <laughs> dragged crucified. Yeah, they're being dragged <laughs> off their pedestal they're being crucified in the streets so it's like what, what do we do when that happens? That's why I say, don't just have one spiritual advisor, have like two or have three. Have a couple backups. <laughs> and, and I just see, I've seen so many divorces about this issue. It sucks. It, it does. But it also takes us to us and our unrealistic expectations of our spouses from both ends. I think we go into a marriage and we expect our spouse to be this perfect person, somebody who texts us when we text them back, calls us when we call them, right? like it picks up our calls, somebody who takes out the trash, saying, oh, who gets <laughs> it? just eat it. You know, like she just has to know she should know she should know no like she's not a freaking mind reader bro like she's not a magician you know yes so i'm with you i'm I'm with you Yasmin, on that because you mentioned once it's so interesting like we expect our spouse to know why we're mad when we're mad and how to resolve this but we never even opened our mouths to tell them i'm i your spouse is not a mind reader that's what i was i was like i would just like i feel like i'm being attacked right now or like the old zane is being attacked but like that's what i was like if i was upset i would give him the silent treatment and then he would come home and he's like, I don't know what I did wrong. Like, you need to tell me. And I just be like, you should just know. And I'm like, well, now I feel like such an idiot looking back at that old Zena. But like, I never had to go through these types of things. You with know what somebody, I mean? With your yeah. significant other, somebody that you actually have to go home with and sit yes. next to and everything. Like You can't escape from, right? You like, can't. If, if it's your friend or something, maybe you guys can not talk for three days or four days or a week or whatever. And then you guys can pick up again and maybe talk about it. But this guy, he's going home and he's going to, he's seeing you put on your PJs and you have to sleep <laughs> next to him. You know what I mean? You're just like, ugh, you're never going away. What advice do you have for that? I mean, like, I mean, obviously the most common sense advice is to be open, to talk about your issues but sometimes some of us are just so angry that we don't know how to do that I think I'm guilty of that too sometimes I like to just stay silent and maybe bottle it up and bring it up three years later on this date where I had nothing to you know what I mean well I mean I really it really is so important to circle back to my initial advice which is that you do have to have a weekly check-in with your spouse it really really helps resolve a lot of these we'll say uh pent up um grudges that form resentment that forms over time so that's that's number one if you can try to get in the habit of doing that, that's the best thing. 
some of us need tools to communicate. You know, Zena was saying it's sometimes it was really hard for her, for example, to be transparent or open or vulnerable. Okay, like working with a therapist is fantastic with that. Working with the counselor is, is great with that, especially I would say for the first year in marriage, it's not a bad idea to just schedule an appointment once a month with that counselor that you guys both agreed with. It's a prophylactic measure. So it's sort of like before any issue comes up, you've already got the appointments scheduled. That's the best way. And that way, if you don't know how to talk about your feelings, there's a safe place where you can do it. And it's in a place where you can be taught the important resources, the tools to be able to communicate how you feel. But, you know, I I will say that just generally speaking, you know, if you, if like you huff and puff and you don't, and you, or you ignore, or you like ghost, or you try to ghost somebody because you're angry, that's very immature behavior. It is, it's, it's not beneficial to you. It's not beneficial to the other person. It just creates a stalemate. So I just hope that what you can do is just like step back as much as you can and say, is this going to resolve the issue? Is this really the way that I would want to be treated if I did something wrong? No, like I would think that this is whack. Like if I just put myself in the shoes of the person who's acting like this, I would feel like, man, this is not the mature way or the mature response to actually move our, my relationship forward. So that's the advice I would give. And I and I think that a lot of people can do this. This is 100% feasible and doable, but it does require building some trust with your spouse. And I just want to just lay just like a little tiny, like important note here, which is if you think about your longest lasting relationships, right? The relationships that you invested a lot of time to create, like with your best friend, maybe with a work colleague that you've worked with a long time or a schoolmate, just think about all of the ups and downs you've had. Think about all the time you've invested with each other, even a sibling, right? That you've gotten close to, like how many times have you had blow up fights with this person? And now you guys are close. Now they know what pisses you off, right? Like they know what, what road to not go down with you because it's going to make you upset. So just remember, this is going to be the case with this whole new person, right? Instead of having this unrealistic expectation of them, just realize if I'm going to invest time with this person, and this is really going to be the most long lasting relationship in my life, then I know there's going to be an ebb and flow. So I can't just cut out and leave or act immature and just walk away when I can't deal with the issues um, at, at play because I really want to build something beautiful. And so that's going to take some time. Exactly. If you're mature enough and old enough to get married, then you should be able to handle all of your issues within one another. And you can't ghost your husband or your <laughs> wife. You have to live with this person. It's kind of yeah. impossible. Kind of defeats the purpose of ghosting. If people ghost each other in engagement time all the time and they still get married and then they start ghosting each other in their marriage. I'm like, what are y'all doing? What is going on here? That's why you can't start that off on a bad note. If you're already having these issues in your engagement and if you're not handling these issues head on in your engagement period, what makes you think that they're not going to arise tenfold in your marriage? even be worse well i want to talk about the other stuff thank you thank you let's let's flip it around when your engagement period is so well and you're not arguing and you're not fighting i was just talking to someone who's getting married soon and he's like yeah we don't fight we don't argue and it's like but you're not prepared for after the wedding once your car drives away from the venue that's when the problems will start and you're not going to know how to deal with those issues because you've never had an argument yeah, before. Yeah, and it goes back to Yasmin saying you need that counselor from yes. the start and you need to have that appointment because it's true. Not all engage, engaged couples are having issues because there are no that there are not yeah. that many issues to be had when you guys don't have financial responsibilities yet. You yeah. don't have yes. kids to take care of. You're not living under one roof. You might not even like his ways and the way he you know does things around the right. house and he might not like how you do things around the house So that's either. why I do, yeah, I wanted to point out the fact that you mentioned setting up those therapy appointments before a problem even arises is the best thing because you're preparing yourself 
to kind of work out problems that haven't even happened. It's worth every single bit of money to do it. It's worth the time to do it. I swear to you. And it, it's, there's no shame should be removed from that. It's not about shame at all. It's about protection. If, if marriage is supposed to be the thing that protects society, you better protect the most precious thing that you have, which is this bond with somebody for years, for years, literally thousands of years, people did not stay married to the same spouse forever because people died because things changed, right? Because people had shorter life expectancy because there was lots of mortality that happened because people got divorced, because people got widowed, whatever. Now we are living longer than we've ever lived. So we're staying married to the same person for much longer than we have ever done in the history of mankind. So understand that when we're talking about unrealistic expectations, that person cannot be your everything. Good Lord, they will not be able to be your therapist and your best friend and your lover and the person who's going to treat your family the best and the best cook in the world and the best cleaner. And the be- I mean, like, like, give yourself a break, Wallah. Oh, my God. Like, you're not these things. So. Yeah, do you expect that from your best friend? Do you expect it, like, like no. Like, my sister is my everything. Is she really your everything, <laughs> girlfriend? Like, do you, like, no. You're not going to be intimate with, you know what I mean, just anybody. You're not going to cook with just anybody. You're not just going to discuss, you know, your thesis with anybody. So it just takes, it's different roles and these are different lanes. So just understand that when we're talking about unrealistic expectations, it really means also finding the outlets outside of your marriage to fulfill certain pieces of what you really desire and what you really love because this person can't do everything and it would be unfair to expect for the same for you. And I think it's just like, there's this whole new rise of the Instagram husbands. And I feel like that's so wrong that we do that to our potential spouses that we want them to be this Instagram husband. Honey, this guy is just posing for a picture and you think he's like the perfect guy. He's just posing for a picture with his wife. And he and might not even go. want to pose for that picture. No, okay? he might not. So I want to talk about how wrong it is and how detrimental it is to your marriage when you compare your marriage to that of somebody else's marriage. And I think that happens a lot and often because you are surrounded by your loved one's marriages, your friend's marriages, and you think they're perfect, but you don't know what happens behind closed doors. You know what I mean? Some people are really good at keeping their issues within their home, contained within their home. So you don't know what's going on but like I want to talk about this I mean I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that come up to you and like you know maybe yeah they are comparing their marriages to somebody else's and well, it's not I, good. I me they're like I want to be like Beyonce and Jay-Z and I Girl. just have to look at them I just have to look at them for a second and I just want to be like <laughs> first of all you you so dumb but <laughs> second, like you are so so dumb everything about that relationship is 1000% manufactured but whatever that is what it is <sighs> but what I want to say is that I think comparison can be the slow death of your relationship, it can be a real poison that poisons whatever goodness is in your relationship that you've built together. It's the thief in the night, right? It's the thief of your joy. So I I just think that, you know, when we're trying to compare ourselves to other people, I think there are ways that you can get your spouse to do the things maybe that you wanted them to do in your mind that the Instagram people are doing without saying, it's because I saw this on Insta. I really need this on the, it's from the gram. You know, first of all, that most likely what you're seeing on the gram is 99% not real or 90% real or even 70% real. Or the, the point is that like, it's not the full picture, right? So if say you, you want to do some more vacations because you see these, this couple has always wanted Tahiti or something. Okay. If you want to have a vacation with your spouse, you can say, I would really love to have a vacation. I'd love to do it twice a year. I'd love to do it once a year. Let's create a savings plan where we're saving, you know, a bit by bit and we can do research every month. We can just spend 
you know, in our, in our check-in that we do on a weekly basis, let's just pick one week out of that month to just for that day to just do like some searches on some vacation packages that we think could be affordable. That's a very constructive way to get to where you want to go. Say they're, they're being so lovey-dovey. He like is holding her hand and he's like looking into her eyes and things that are weird, but let's just say like that, (laughs) say that they're doing that they're performing on the gram and you're like, why does he not hold my hand? Why is he not touching my face? Um, (laughs) That's fine. Okay. So I always say, be the change you want to see in your spouse. So hold his hand, see how he reacts, touch his face, see what it does. Right. If he's like, what the hell are you doing? Then you can say, well, that kind of hurts me. Like, I don't want to feel rejected by you. I actually like, I love like being close. I wish that we were closer. I wish that we touched a little bit more and touch is beautiful. It's a really wonderful way actually to resolve conflict. There's great research on this by the Gottman Institute, who I really love, John Gottman. Uh, So incredible, probably my favorite of um, any of the, we'll say relationship experts out there. And it just shows so much research, just a touch can change someone's physiological response. And I think the more that you touch, the better it is. But sometimes people's love language is physical touch. So if you know that your your spouse, that's how they express love and that's how they want to, to give love and or sorry, to receive love, then you should be sort of like cranking that up a little bit, you know, even if it's kind of not your thing, because out of love, you think, wow, I want to be able to to make this person feel valued and loved. Exactly. And love language. I think that's so important. I think there's a book out there by Gottman about yes. the five Gary languages. Chapman. Gary Chapman called the five languages. I require all my clients, my previous clients, all of them had to read it. It was required reading. I, I really want to read that one too, because I think it's super important to understand your spouse's love language. You can't force them to be like you, but I love what you said, Yasmin. You can kind of kind of look at you know meet them halfway or even close to halfway you don't have to be if you're not a lovey-dovey person nobody's telling you to be but just shoot like give her a hug here and there give her a kiss on the cheek and that's the compromise right you might be losing something which is your comfort level but you might be gaining something which is a really happy spouse that's going to just fall trip over themselves to like please you exactly and there's three ways there's like three questions you can ask yourself to figure out your partner's like love language too i'm not telling you to skip the reading because i don't want you to to kill me but there's (laughs) the reading is so important go ahead it's very important but literally there's like the one where how does he most often express his love to others like how do you see how he interacts with other loved ones and how does he show his love to them um another one would be what does he complain about most often when it comes to your relationship like oh i think we're like we're always like up each other's butts all the time like maybe yeah that's his love language he doesn't want to be suffocated at times we'll talk about that in a bit too and then there was one what does he request most often like maybe he does request to have his own me time that's his love language i know that maybe i'm using really bad examples because no. that doesn't show like love I'm, language well, like he's I'll trying just, to say i'll, I just, want, go through, I'll yeah. just go through the five love languages so people know them so their, their physical touch which is one of the ones that i just mentioned right one of them is gift giving uh giving gifts we see this a lot actually in immigrant communities and this comes from the prophet Muhammad he says to head so he says you know you give gifts to the people that you want to get closer to right that you want to actually build love with so for some people that's their main love language there's also quality time which is i guess um, i think the technical term was up each other's butts i think what you just said <laughs> yeah but you know some people some people i'm just i'm messing with you guys uh, this is unsweetened and unfiltered right so let's yes. just say some stuff but the idea is that um you know you some people really want you to spend quality time with them that's very very important to them acts of service is uh the fourth one so these are people who really feel like uh, he loves me when he picks up the dry cleaning she loves me when she does the dishes you know when when things are taken care of in the house or in our life that's how i know that person loves me and then finally terms of endearment right so just words they call it words of affirmation i call it terms of endearment but it's words of affirmation how how proud of you you know i am 
oh man, like that makes me feel good. Like how amazing you are saying those things to your spouse, how proud, uh, you know, you are of them and uh, how much all the good characteristics about them make you happy. Those are some of the things that people need to fill their cup. And the thing is that, you know, I always say you should go into any marriage knowing that your cup was full. Allah, God made you totally whole, completely whole. And your cup is already full. The question then is, is it going to overflow if somebody adds some more, right? What are the deposits someone can make to make it stay full? Because let me tell you something, even though you're born with your cup full, lots of people take liquid out. They spill it over. They do some things that upset you. And, and Gary Chapman says for every wrong thing, for every hurtful thing that your spouse does, it takes 10 on average, 10 good love deposits to get that level back up again. So just understand that we hurt each other all the time but we can make it better. So we need to know how to make it better. Not just what's good for us, but what's good for the other person. That's about that compromise that we that we talked about earlier. Yeah. And I think I just went through the three questions and my husband's love language is food. Food makes him happy. Yeah. Food makes him happy. And it's also important to note that like not everyone's love language is going to be the same. So what you're seeing in movies, what you're seeing on TV, on Instagram, that's their love language. Like for me, I don't like being constantly touched and you know what I mean? Like when I got, when we first got married, this is probably TMI, but like I thought I had to cuddle in order to fall asleep with him. Now we've faced the opposite sides because that's still, that's how I'm comfortable that's and we're so fine true. with that. There's nothing wrong with our marriage and because probably we, that's how he's comfortable too. Maybe physical touch is not his jam. That's okay. Yeah. That's totally okay. And that doesn't mean that you don't have a loving relationship. It just means that you, you have found different ways to fill each other's cup and that's beautiful. As long as you, as long as you crack that code, that's the most important piece. Yeah, because one time I read something that said like, oh my God, if if couples are facing the opposite sides or opposite way when they're sleeping, there's there's big issues. So I'm like, oh my God, we constantly have to sleep face to face. We constantly have to cuddle. I'm it's like, neither, neither of us are comfortable. You know, even that saying that like, don't go to sleep unhappy with each other. That sometimes works. And sometimes it doesn't work because sometimes people's conflict resolution style doesn't allow them to be able to talk about it immediately when they're hurt. Sometimes there needs to be a timeout that's called. One of the healthy ways to argue is to say, let's talk about this in the morning. When we both have are able to process things. And sometimes you have one spouse that's like, let's talk about it right now. And the other spouse is like, look, I'm a processor. I can't do this right now. And then you have to find each other in the middle and say, okay, that means that I can't talk about it right now. I have to wait until this person processes, but I know the time limit. We're not going to let this go for more than 24 hours. We have to address it before the day is is up. That's the best way I could say, like some of the, some, sometimes the conventional things that you hear, the conventional wisdoms, although they have a lot of beautiful wisdom in them, they may not work for you. And what matters is that you find each other's rhythm. The key is to not miss each other. The key is to not just, you know, see the worst in the other person and instead to see the goodness that you found in them and remind yourself of that goodness, especially in the darkest of times, because that's what's going to bring you at least face to face to talk about it. I think that's our issue. We look so much on the outside of our marriage and we focus on everybody else's marriage and we see what's working for them and we try to bring that back into our house. But you are two different people, completely different than the marriage, than somebody else's marriage that you're looking at. And I think what's one strength for a couple is not going to be a strength for you. No. Really think about what what is it? Like, do you really want to go on all these vacations or is it because 
because Fatma and Ali are going on all these vacations. Like, do you really want to always pack and unpack? Like, want for your marriage what you truly want and not because somebody else is doing it. And I think these days there's just this... Or like, society expects it. Or society expects it yes, in your marriage. that's what I was like, trying to get Like, some at. people don't mm-hmm. need to have a big house. They don't no. want a flipping big house. Some people don't need to own a car. That's not their jam. They want to live in the city. They want to do public, you know, transportation. Just because society and societal expectations say, this is what you should have. This is what you should not have. This is the kind of clothes you should wear. These are the kind of clothes you shouldn't wear. Don't don't try to overlay all that. Find your balance. Find your rhythm. And, you know, what I was going to say is that, you know, th- that is one way that comparison can really, again, just poison the goodness in your relationship. It can steal the, the, the joy that you have with each other because so many people, if you just leave them if you just leave them on their own they will figure out their life and and it's when they see something on the outside they feel like oh something's missing right and I just want to say like everything about our system of like consumerism is designed to tell us that we're missing something so just understand that Instagram and like Instagram ads they're trying to fill voids that you have and just realize that like nothing No amount of things you can purchase or look at will fill voids. Nothing. No amount of addictions to things are going to actually fill those voids. I I love listening to Russell Brand because he's just got so much stuff about addiction. He's got so much stuff about understanding the intricacies of addiction. And I see it a lot, unfortunately, in in Muslim couples. People are addicted to all sorts of things. They're addicted to to buying things. They're addicted to uh, pornography. They're addicted to drugs. They're addicted to alcohol. They're addicted to attention. And it's like... You've got to step back and just think, is this what is going to really matter in the end for my marriage to be a successful one? If marriage is really just a means to the greater goal of reaching God, then I've got to find out a peaceful, stable home life so that I can get on with it and get on with my life to do what I'm supposed to be doing in, in, in this earth, right? Like, what does Allah want from me? What does God want from me? What is my purpose? What's my direction in life? Unless it's peaceful at home, the answer to that question is elusive. Very, very difficult to get to. So I, I really think, you know, that's something that's really, really important, I think, for all couples to sit with and to really think about. And that is about inward thought that is not about external stimuli of all the things you think you're missing. Absolutely. And I think this brings us to self-awareness. I think self-awareness in a marriage is the best gift that you can give your spouse is to understand why certain things make you angry, why what certain things make you happy. If you're not aware of who you are as a person and what you want, you can't you're going to start to project that on your spouse and you're going to expect this out of them. Your spouse is not going to fill this void. There's nobody can fill this void. You know what I mean? You have to have all in your heart and you have to understand who oh, you yeah, are. Like the he completes me Instagram captions. No, no one can complete you. I hope I never wrote that in my life. But basically, <laughs> I'm just saying like, I think that I, I found yeah. myself in you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you're like this is me because you're that, that's what we want. Honesty. Honest. Exactly. People just change their bios to married and they like they want to perceive like they want people. to. It think becomes have, their identity. Yeah, it does become their identity. Yeah. And I, I do kind of want to touch on that for a second, which is that, you know, you don't get married and like forget everything about your old life. Yes, there are some things that change. There are some relationships that are not good for you, right? There are some relationships that are toxic that might not be healthy for you. But on average, if you were a, a certain kind of person before marriage, you should not be radically shifting into this other completely different person. And because all the people in your life are going to think, uh, is that person being brainwashed? Like what is going on? The people who've loved you for 
years. They don't want to lose you. And the people who've loved you for years also can see some healthy habits of yours and some unhealthy habits of yours. So it's good to have that perspective, that wisdom from the people that you've had around your life for a long time. And when, you know, you want to spend every living, waking moment with your spouse and you want them to show up at every baby shower, bridal shower, wedding, you know, bar mitzvah, whatever that you want to go to, like, just chill out for a second, just chill out for a second. Like, your spouse is not supposed to go to every dawat. Your spouse is not supposed to go to every single, you know, doesn't even matter, like graduation party, whatever. It's great if they're there. Lovely, fantastic. But give each other a break. Give each other a break. I always do the 70-30 rule, which should be 70% of the time, maybe you, you do stuff with your spouse. 30% of the time you should do alone or with your own friends that you had before marriage or new friends that you formed, as long as it's healthy. What's not healthy is to be with someone who's like constantly comparing their relationship with your relationship, or they're talking crap about other people, or they're saying stuff about your spouse that's very detrimental, right? Like those are not healthy relationships. And, and you know, a, a counselor and, and third party can really help you um, figure that out. And I think that's why it's like super important to have self-awareness because I feel like there's a lot of arguments that you can kind of avoid if you were more self-aware with yourself. I think some things that like, it, really think about it. If like Zaina, let's just say you blew up on your husband because he didn't take out the trash. Is that a normal reaction no. to just him not taking out the trash? So you have to like, again, take a step back and assess your own self. Like, I don't think we should always just assess our partners, but assess your own self. Like, why did I get so angry at him for not taking out the trash? What What's something that's more deeper the underlining? underlining? What's reason, the real yeah. underlying? reason that I'm having this issue with him and I'm like blowing up at him and I think when you start normalizing these blow-ups on your spouse when it's for something so small I think that's when you're basically just you're going into the divorce phase you're, you're going push, you're yeah. pushing yourself away. into that yeah it's contempt. it's contempt and that's what that's what John Gottman talks about you know he talks about the four horsemen he talks about contempt criticism stonewalling and defensiveness as the four indicators of divorce by 94% accuracy wow. So like read guys, John Gottman's work, the seven principles of making marriage work, get on the newsletter from the Gottman Institute. They'll give you great tips as to how to avoid certain um, words. Like for example, you know, when you blow up like that, you start saying words of contempt, like you always do this, you never do that. Well, those are really unfair words, but that's coming, that's coming from a place of a lot of resentment. And so in those blowups, you start using those kinds of terms because you are just fed up. You've had your fill. And the hope is to walk back those feelings so that it doesn't get to that get to that stage. And when you do like have these arguments with your spouse, I think like you you can basically get your point across without crossing the line of respect. And I think respect is needed in every relationship in oh, your yeah. life, every from your marriage to your relationship with your parents, um, to your friends, everything. But I think if you lack respect, that's it. You're basically what, what's the point of this marriage? What's the point of this union? When a man does not feel respected and when you don't respect a man, it's the end of your love. It it's is. The, it's just, it's the writing on the wall. Respect is everything. Yeah. And I think arguments are inevitable in marriages. Like everybody's going to oh have them. Yeah. You're with this person every single day. You know what I mean? You're bound to like fight over something. Listen to this statistic. 69% of the disagreements between men and women as determined by the Gottman Institute who has research thousands of happy and unhappy couples. 69% of the disagreements between men and women are unresolvable. Did you wow. just hear what I just said? They're unresolvable. Huh. That means two thirds of the things that we disagree about, we're never going to actually agree about. The question is the 30% that you agree about, can it carry you through? Does it go to your core values? And the 69% of the things that you disagree about, can you respect the other person's position, even though it's different than your own. Those are the questions you have to ask yourself. 
And respect is about boundaries. It's about having certain boundaries. And the thing is that, you know, we, especially in um, a lot of Muslim marriages, we have, it's a family affair, right? Like everyone's getting married, families are getting married. And sometimes in-laws come into your relationship and suddenly you're with them every week. You're, you're with them multiple times a week. You're with, you're living with them. So the question is, how do we create those boundaries, right? How do we have those difficult conversations to say, you know, it really hurts me when this happens in front of your mom. This really, this does not work for me when your dad does X, right? And you do have to have those conversations. Those boundaries have to be to create to be created very early on, and that means rocking the boat a little bit. But then your boat will be safely sailing uh, for the rest of your marriage. Who wants to? Who wants to just have you know smooth sailing in the beginning just to be sunk later because it's not so smooth? You've been lying about it. That it's all so about trial and error. Like you don't know what's really going to tick you off until you're yes. in that marriage. So true. And that's that self-awareness, right? That's the self-awareness that you're talking about, Zana, because a lot of people are, they want to be self-aware, but they don't have the tools to be so cut each other some slack. I don't know how I'm going to react. Self-awareness is not some like end, you know, it's not like some like, I am now self-aware. I've reached my destination. <laughs> no, like. Self-awareness is like a monthly battle. Like, what? how do I feel about this? Why does this bother me? What are my thoughts on this? And again, that's where professional people who seek out counseling and therapy and, and different resources can help you. Yeah, and I think sometimes like we forget that like we start attacking our spouse rather than both of us just attacking the issue at hand. It's not, you don't have the problem with your spouse. It's just this problem that you both you and your spouse should, you, you need to look at it from a different perspective. You can't look at it as your spouse is your enemy. This is why we have the issue. No, we have an issue but my spouse is my partner and we're going to combat this issue together and i know i know this is so much easier said than done i think this is everything that some like all of us have to work on this and it takes time but i think again like it goes back to respect those are those rules those are those red lines you know everyone should have red lines everyone should have rules of engagement when they argue one of the major ways to uh, make sure that your arguments are are respectful and not entering into those territories is to have a list of you know five rules ten rules don't make them more than ten but have rules of engagement to the way that you speak to each other in an argument. It changes the dynamic. Exactly. And don't exaggerate the issue. Like you said, just I mean, like when you use the words always or never, you're basically like, you're already putting your spouse in defensive mode. Like they're going to already, when once you said never and always, that was like just like a red light for them. Like, because no, I don't always do this. Yeah, like I can't believe she said that. I can't believe he said that to me. Well, that's because those are very unfair terms, but they come from a place of criticizing the person and not the act or not the action or the behavior. And hopefully, you know, one of the ways that you can argue also in a respectful way is to use what they say, I statements, like I felt like this when this happened. Instead of saying, you did this to me and you made me feel small, you could say, I felt really kind of demeaned and small and like kind of helpless when this happened. And then suddenly what your spouse is hearing is, how you feel and no one should be arguing with you about how you feel. You shouldn't have felt that way. Well, back it up, back it up, back it up. Like I actually have the right to feel the way that I want to feel. The question is how do we make sure I don't feel like this again? That should be the issue of, of, of empathy that grows between you. That's the, that's the mawadda and the rahma, the, you know, that the Quran is talking about in, in marriage is how do you have deep appreciation, deep emotion for each other and mercy? Well, that means that I now can put myself in someone's shoes and not get defensive. 
Yeah, it's just the way you tackle the issues. I think if you tackle them in the wrong way, the worst way possible, you and your your spouse are going to begin to withdraw from one another, that you're not yeah. going to care to like, even attack an issue anymore because you don't even deal with your spouse anymore. And then that's yes. another gateway to divorce. I think when, yes. you, when you are mature about the issues that you guys both have, then you guys can both like, I'm not saying you're going to look forward to like discussing the issue, but you guys are both not going to just like dread it, dread it. Yeah. Like that's, I think the really important part. Yeah. And when you're hysterical with one another, maybe you're cussing, maybe you're crying, maybe, you know, you just, you're, you're so unhinged. You have to call a timeout. One of the ways, one of your rules and good should be, we have to call a timeout and calling a timeout is not indefinite. It's not, it doesn't mean you don't talk about the taboo issue or the difficult issue. No, you have to tackle that issue, but it means that we talk about it within the 24 hour period. Let's talk about this tomorrow morning. Let's talk about it in three hours. Even if somebody has to leave a situation, just, you know, for the guys and girls who want to leave and, and don't leave, just don't, don't just leave the house and abandon your spouse. That's totally inappropriate, but say, I'll be back in an hour. I have to process things. It's not an issue of disrespect. I don't want to say something disrespectful and exit. There's nothing wrong with that, but that should be one of your rules of engagement. Like you can't exit for more than four hours, whatever it is, whatever you guys can come to, that's, that's a place of comfort, but that's really, really important because sometimes people, if they keep talking, they're going to say something that they can never take back and they're going to really regret. So this brings us to just having a healthy space between you and your spouse. You talked about this this mean, and I'm glad you brought this up in your Merry Mondays, because I think a lot of people go into a marriage thinking they need to just suffocate their spouse and be up their spouse's butt. And oh my God, my spouse and I, (laughs) out with me that means he doesn't like me no it's your spouse is still a human they didn't transform into this living being that's just gonna like be at your side i feel like this is like therapy session for zayna because (laughs) uh, that's what i thought when i first got married i wasn't working yet i had um two months until i started classes up again so i was home all day he would come home from work exhausted after an eight nine hour shift i'd be like let's go out let's do something and he's like i need my own time and it wasn't until i started going to school and working full-time that I realized that you can love someone, you can be in a healthy, loving relationship and still need me time. You know what I mean? You still need that time to like just unwind, relax. And that's something that like I took offense to at the beginning of my marriage. Like, why don't you want to hang out with me? How do we go about having this conversation just me with our spouse to let them know like I need healthy space from you, but it's not because I don't love you, but it's it's good for our marriage. Big part of it is temperament. So some people have a certain temperament that um, they actually need recharge time. So some people are really introverted. Some people are really extroverted. It's different temperaments. And for the extroverts, I mean, it's like on to the next one. Let's do this. It's like this is a nonstop party. This is a party bus. Let's keep going. And for the introverts, they're like, please, please, please get away from me. Oh, man, this is really draining for me. Right. <laughs> exactly. like, I'm like, that's yourself. me. <laughs> that's me. And, you know, and like you said, Zena, I think that can change with the number of obligations in your life. So maybe you are actually an introvert, but you've been alone for eight hours. So you've done all your recharging. And so when the person comes, you're like, it's time to hang out. Let's go. Let's let's do something. Right. And so you know, that could also kind of confuse your spouse because they're thinking like, what, like, are they never going to leave me alone? And it's like, no, just understand the circumstance. If you guys have time apart for a long time, then when you come together, you need to schedule time together, even though that might be a little bit difficult, but you need to find like a healthy medium. But if you have not spent a lot of time, you know, uh, apart, I can understand how you would need some time apart. So you need to come at it by explaining, look, here's my temperament. This is how I am. I can't be doing stuff 24 seven. I can't even do stuff 12 hours. I can't even do stuff seven hours. I can like find the, find the balance for how long you need to do your me time. Sometimes for people, it's just one hour of yoga. 
And sometimes for people, it's they need three to four hours. They need to have a long, hot bath. They need to go right. They need to go out into nature. They need to go um, work out and do whatever. Whatever it is, you do need to, I think, really work on your balance when you're alone so that you can understand better, okay, this is me. These are my cycles. These are my rhythms. Sometimes you don't know. It's true. And you have to get married and then someone's in your face 24 seven and then you learn, but just enter being flexible. So say, look, I think I know myself, but I've lived in my mom's house my whole life. Or I think I know myself, but I've always had roommates that I can escape. But you know, I hope that what we can do is enter like in a, in a space of like vulnerability and flexibility with each other so that if things get a little bit too overwhelming, I can tell you, I kind of need a little bit of a break and we'll make the outer limit or less, let's say four hours. You know, let's make an outer limit for how long I need uh, to recharge time. I think that it helps with expectations. I, I think for us out of girls, because, you know, we're, we don't date, we don't live with our spouses before marriage or anything like that. So it's a kind of an exciting phase for us when now you're finally married and you get to live with this person. And now you get to go out and stay out as long as you want, because Hollis, you're married. So I think that's why there's that excitement overload in the beginning. And I think that's OK. I think yeah. it's OK from just uh, here and there. But don't allow this like over excitement to just keep going on month after month after right. month. Or to isolate you from your other relationships that's or from your family you never want to be isolated from your family cut your family off because you want to hang out with your spouse 24 7 you've got to figure out the balance and my biggest piece of advice to them if you are moving to a place you don't know many people you're not familiarized with the area get familiarized with the area go to the gym have your extracurricular activities outside of your home walking around the city getting familiar so that I knew if I wanted to go take myself out to lunch when my husband was at work I knew I could walk to this cafe I could do these things I wasn't confined in our 900 square foot apartment until he came home I was interacting with other people yeah you had a whole beautiful life, you know, that you were cultivating on your own. And the, it, what's really important too, is that if you are moving away, it's okay to tell your spouse that you would like to see your family, let's say on a quarterly basis. So every three months, you've already booked your ticket for the p- tickets for the year. Every three months, you know that you're going to go home. I know a lot of people are kind of like uncomfortable, maybe saying this, or maybe they're a little bit hesitant, but I'm just telling you right now, that is the best way to protect your relationship with your family and to protect the relationship with your spouse. And guess what? Don't expect your spouse to go with you to your family's home. Mm-hmm. If he can come, fantastic. Or if she can go with you, great. But if that can't happen, that's okay. That's totally okay. What's important is that you go see your family at least every three months. Now, what is there a thing that's excessive? Yeah, you can't go every week. Maybe even every month is slightly excessive, right? But I think every three months is 1000% reasonable. And you guys can figure out what's reasonable. For some people, once a month is reasonable or once every two weeks is reasonable. It depends on lots of factors like what your spouse does, how their life looks, what they do. So, you know what I mean? I just want to say, take that with a grain of salt. But the point is have a regular schedule that you both agree on and stick to that schedule so that you don't build up resentment later. Yeah. You, you, when you get married, you don't become one person. Like you cannot just like, if you want to take something away from this, you're still an individual. Do not allow one relationship to cut ties with all your other relationships around you. I don't think it's fair for you to cut ties with your friends who have been there from you for you since day one. I, I think that's very selfish, but it also takes us to like family interference. I think sometimes we go into marriages and we forget that you kind of, yeah, technically do marry his family too. You know, I just want to read a really quick quote from Khalil Gibran poem called On Marriage. And in it, he says, give your hearts, but not into each other's keeping for only the hand of life, God can contain your hearts and stand together, yet not too near together for the pillars of the temple stand apart and the oak tree and the cypress grow not in each other's shadow. 
I think that is such an important bit of advice that was timely then and it's timely now and it's just timeless. I absolutely love that. And I, if you want to even translate it, but it basically says like everything that we just talked about in such a few short sentences, yeah. it's basically your most simplistic version of marriage advice right then and there. And this was from what you said, the 20th century. Hey, yes. He was born in 1883. Yeah. So it was from the 20th century. Yeah. yeah the isn't it crazy how, wow, it is timeless. It truly is. He passed in 1931 and yet the, the, his poetry, you know, his legacy, I think it lives on and he was really sensitive man and a, a very a good thinker. And I think it, you know, it's really important for us to learn from people who have thought about love and thought about marriage, you know, and, and we can use it as Muslims, as Christians, as Jews, as anyone, um, and that we can learn from each other. And, you know, some of these people who are, that I just mentioned that are doing some of the most amazing marriage work, you know, they're not Muslim, but there's so much to learn from them. I mean, Gary Chapman is actually, a, he's a Christian counselor. That's uh, what he came, that's his background. That's what he came from. And yet every, when he, when you read that book and everything he talks about God is absolutely resonating with the Muslim experience. Yeah. I don't think you should refrain from certain things that you can read and you can't read because I love, I'm an avid reader and there's not, if I see a title and I like what the book is about, but it's more in, it's in the Christian section of the, of the library, I'm still going to read that book as long as this person's God conscious, like you said earlier, yeah, I mean, that's, that's all so that true. matters. Our religions, honestly, they intertwine with one another. We're not that much different from one another. So from our community to the next community, I think we need to learn from one another. And I don't think we should just like put this like wall or a barrier between no, one another. Not. And there, yeah, there is no wall. Even if we wanted to put one, it's just not even real. It's not. It's not real. That's not what Allah, that's not Allah's teachings. He didn't no. teach us to be against these people. But I also want to transition into, I think, something um, with family interference. These are people that you also shouldn't put a wall up between you and your yeah. in-laws but but i mean you should create boundaries and i think boundaries yes. are much better than putting walls up we get these questions a lot yes mean um in our in our dms about like what do i do with my in-laws you, even if they're your in-laws and they're doing horrible things to you or whatever i think you should always have respect towards your in-laws i think it shows your true character i don't think you should compromise your character on behalf of somebody that's being horrible towards you but i want your advice on this i mean in regards to just what do you do with in-laws that just don't get you and they kind of almost interfere in your marriage at every situation possible yeah so there's you know there's levels obviously of interference and i've i've heard a lot of different stories about in-laws but i will tell you i mean the first and foremost the important thing that you have to understand is that you have to create an independent relationship with your in-laws so it's not like when they're upset with their son they're also upset with you like you know, you got to figure that out. They're upset with your parents because whatever that means, they're not upset with you and, and vice versa so that you don't see them as just an entity of your, your husband's. But these are people who helped forge the spouse that you married, right? So there has to be some level of gratitude and some goodness in them. Even if you can't see the goodness, that seed has to be there because they helped fashion the spouse that you fell in love with. So what does that say about you? So just remember that I think walking from that door, walking into the relationship with your in-laws through that door will really help crystallize things and help put things in perspective, even when it gets really difficult. I think it's also really important that if you have an independent relationship, there's certain things that in-laws want. And one of those is that they want to know that you're going to take care of their son or daughter. And if they know that you really genuinely love their son or daughter, then that's going to help ease the situation. They want to know that you will make their son or daughter happy. A part of that is I, what I would say is going to them and seeking their advice about how to do that. And that might seem like so out of the box. Like, what do you mean? You want me to just like go to my mother-in-law or go to my father-in-law and say, you know, your, your son or daughter better than I ever will. Like, can you, you know, help give me advice about 
you know, how best to approach them. When are they in the best moods? When are they in the worst moods? How to cook their favorite dishes? Can I see you do that? How do they like their clothes to be folded? Or what colors do they like? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you to do. That sort of creates the beginning of your relationship is one that looks at what what kind of contributions can I make to make my spouse happy that only my in-laws, only their mom and dad are going to know about. I will say that this kind of transforms the way that you interact with your in-laws. And a lot of people don't like necessarily me saying that because they're like, I hate my in-laws. Nothing will change it. But it's like, okay, so you don't like them. So what are the ways that you can massage your relationship? Can you tolerate them once a month? You know, can you tolerate them once a week? Can you tolerate them once a year? You're going to figure that out. Your, you know, your boundaries, but there is a, a, a process of trial and error to do that. And I think if you seek their love, um, and you seek their guidance on things that in, in, in the context of trying to make their son or daughter happy, going to win points with them. Um, and I also finally, I will just say with the in-laws, um, especially ones that interfere, a lot of times, you know, they're, they're coming from a perspective, they live their life a certain way. They're also coming from a separate era than yours. So uh, if you have an issue with your in-laws that the ambassador to their parents is your spouse, you guys are ambassadors to your families. Yes. And so everything has to be filtered through them. I can't go to my mother and be like, I cannot believe you did this to me. Mm, okay. If I want to say something positive to her. I can talk to her directly, but if I want to say something negative to her, like I should probably watch my tone, watch the delivery, and I should not be the messenger of that issue. It's so important that if you have a toxic relationship with your in-laws, that the person who's defending you and bringing up the issue is your spouse, not you. And that's going to buffer so much drama. It ain't even it ain't even real. I completely agree with you because I think it's just natural for us to go into a marriage and assume your in-laws are not going to like you and they're going to want you I to be a certain way. That, and yeah. I think sometimes, yes, yeah, sometimes it is that way. Sometimes your mother-in-law just hates you from the very beginning. What do you do about that? It's just, I think it starts with within your own household with you and your spouse. You guys, you both have to be one another's advocates. And just like you said, one another's ambassador. Like if you don't like your mother-in-law, she doesn't like you. Imagine you going to her house and telling her the things that you don't, you guys are going to create this hu- the world war three that never happened and <laughs> never happens but you're going to create it right then and there in your, the house of your in-laws you know yeah. what i mean i never believe them when they're like you can come to me beta habibti like oh, habibi come and tell me if my daughter did something don't you dare fall for that don't go <laughs> to your about how his daughter is is whack don't do that don't do that unless you want a divorce or unless maybe not a divorce or you want like a a marriage talk that is going to look like a conflict resolution to the end of your marriage so instead what I would say is treat them like strangers that you really want to impress. Those are not your parents. Those people don't know you like that. The love is so, so conditional in that relationship. It's not unconditional and it can become that way. You can develop a relationship with them. Some in-laws can become like your parents, but that takes time, people. It takes a lot of time and a lot of sacrifice. And I will just also say that it's really important that when you're interacting with them, that if you come from a place of respect and decency and you don't raise your voice on them and you don't disrespect them, that in the end, even if when all things are said and done, even if the relationship doesn't work, you haven't violated anybody's rights and you've respected the rights of the elder that our religion absolutely clearly delineates. Even if the elder is doing something wrong, you still speak to them from a place of respect and love. You think about all the Sahaba, you know, the law on home, who stepped away from their family to become Muslim. They weren't even, they weren't allowed to cut ties with their non-Muslim family. The only time they were able to say, 
okay, I can't really, you know, deal with you is if they were asking them to do haram. So treat it like that. If my in-laws are telling me to do something good and I don't like it for whatever reason, and in their opinion, it's good. It doesn't mean that I cut ties with them. It doesn't mean that I disrespect them. I speak to that elder from a place of respect. Thank you so much. Say like give you advice and you don't want to take it. You look at them and you say, thank you so much. I'll, you know, I'll make sure to figure out the best way to, to implement that in my life. And then if you don't like it, then your spouse can defend you and say, Hey mom or Hey dad, like we did actually try that. It just doesn't work for us. Not all kids love to be swaddled. I'm just giving an example, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes in you're not swaddling your child. You need to swaddle your child more. And then your spouse is the one who needs to be like, we tried that. It maybe didn't work. And so no one's feelings are hurt, but just see them as these people are giving you wisdom. You don't have to take it, but in their face out of love, kindness, and respect, you can say, thank you. I'm going to try to implement that. And you really should, you should try to see the wisdom in what they're saying. Even if at first blush, you want to just be defensive. Yeah. I think I know a lot of women who, before they even get into relationships, they view in-laws as like, the villains you know what I mean like when I first got engaged in-laws as outlaws yeah sometimes I mean one of the one questions that someone asked me flat out was like oh does he have any sisters and I'm like he has two and I love them like don't try to brainwash me to think that in-laws are these evil people that you know are out to get me like I think if you go into that relationship with negative thoughts you're gonna get this what you're putting in you're going to get that back out. So like the same way that you're building a relationship with your husband, you have to work, like you said, on building that relationship with your in-laws. It's not going to come so instantly, true. but you have to put in that work. I know we expect them to love us right away, but yeah. did your spouse love you right away? No, you guys developed that relationship and it turned into love and it turned into a marriage. But you, that's a great point that you made, Yasmin, in regards to always remaining respectful because mm-hmm. when you're in that divorce room and you're sitting with the sheikh and you have your in-laws telling the sheikh, well, she said all these things about me, <laughs> you're, that's automatically a horrible I always stand true by this never ever ever disrespect your in-laws I don't care if they're the most evil people on the planet never disrespect them please respect them these are your like you have your own parents never cuss never, them out never never oh if my they god come into your home as a guest <laughs> don't give them their cold shoulder you better make them tea you better make them food you you treat them and you give them the karam of the life of the of the visitor into your home don't ever try to act like whatever issue has come up should dictate your decency the way that you treat people, that is your deen. When the Prophet says, al-deen al-mu'amala, he's saying that your deen is the way that you treat people. Because a lot of people can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk under an immense amount of pressure? That is what's going to weigh heavy on the scales when there's a final accounting. And let me tell you, you're going to want to be able to be a respectful non-violating human when it comes to that moment yes and so live your life today like you want to live your life when you meet your prophet or when you meet your god because that's going to be the time where you're going to need the most points alhamdulillah Absolutely. like even when me walking away from a divorce i had no guilt because i was like these people cannot say one thing about me because i never exactly. never give them room to say one thing about you never allow them because they could not even say there was not one mention because they, i didn't there's nothing absolutely yeah. nothing and that's the thing like you said yes keep your spouse in independent of your of their family and their family independent of their spouse because if you're having let's just say really bad issues with their son or vice versa do not take it out on, on their parents yeah like, just don't that like this person is different with you and how they were with their family and whatever and all that stuff just don't allow the way your spouse is treating you horribly to for you to like oh well let me get back at him by treating his family horribly you're you're doing a disservice to yourself even yeah. more or let me get back at him by going to my in-laws and saying some bad stuff about my spouse that doesn't work folks you're digging your grave and 
and you know, you're going to know your, your relationship with your, with your, um, in-laws the best, but I will just say for the first year, it's kind of important when you're creating the boundaries and stuff, you know, how often do you want to check in? Is it once a week? Maybe that's, maybe that's what's right. Maybe is it once every two weeks just to call and to say, Hey, how are you doing? What's up? I just wanted to check in on you or just to be thoughtful and say, Hey, you know, especially if you live near them, Hey, I just picked up a, a carton of milk. I just wanted to call. Maybe you wanted a carton of milk or not even ask and just show up to their house with a couple of extra groceries that goes such a long way. Or when you walk into the home to have something in your hand, it's, it goes such a long way to treat them again, like strangers you want to impress and not necessarily uh, your family members from the outset. And I think the last rule, never compare your in-laws to your parents. I know we love our parents, but just how you don't compare your marriage to somebody else's marriage, do not compare your in-laws to your parents. I think that's the worst thing you can do. You're just asking for a horrible horrible relationship with your in-laws. I agree. And you're raised in different households for a reason. Absolutely. But our last and final question, when do you know when to walk away from a marriage? I think uh, more oftentimes than not, we see divorces on the rise. Are these divorces legitimate? Are these divorces not legitimate? Like, can certain things be resolved before you say that D word? Even, um, yes, even the even the most difficult things to come back from can be resolved. But the issue is, what are your core values? So if your core value, for example, is like truth or justice, and your spouse has lied to you multiple times, and you've given them several chances to not lie, um, or, you know, they've cheated on you, and you've gone to, to therapy and talked about it, and talked about that, you know, rebuilding that mistrust, that broken trust. Those are the things, you know, you have to do everything in your power to know that you've dotted your I's and crossed your T's. You've gone to talk to the people that you need to. You've gone and made sure, you know, you give sadaqah, you give some type of charity, you make dua about helping, you know, resolve this issue in your life. And you've gone and talked to people of wisdom. Beyond that, it's like, there are some things that are so big. If you've lost complete respect for your spouse, you can't trust them anymore. That is really hard to come back from. You know, they've got an addiction issue and you've tried to walk through the treatment with them and they've relapsed several times or they've relapsed even once and you know you can't live like that. You can't raise children with them in that environment. It's okay to leave. Any abuse of any kind, it is very difficult to come back from that. It is very difficult for someone to change in the same marriage from abusive situation. It can happen but you have to go through a treatment plan and you have to be very serious about that treatment. And if there's any slip ups, you know, so I think the best way to say, you know, is there a, you know, the best way to say when, you know, it's done is when you've done all the work on your part to try to heal the wrong. And when you have prayed to your God and you put your head on the pillow and you've had, you know, you have a feeling, you have a, a clearness of conscience, you'll know, you'll know when it's time to go. And, you know, for me, when I got my divorce, I, I fasted um, intermittently for, for six months. And I know I now I, I said intermittently. I don't mean intermittent fasting like to lose weight. I don't mean that. I'm talking about I fasted super obligatory fast, meaning more than my fard fast, obviously. Every Monday and every Thursday I fasted. Um, and this was in the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad And then I ended up fasting every other day, which is the sunnah of Dawood, the Prophet David. And I did this to get clarity because I knew the decision that I was making was very difficult. For, for six months I did this. And let me tell you that the clarity came down like a sledgehammer. It was so clear the moment. I still remember all of it, all the bits and pieces. It feels like, like an out-of-body experience. When you know and I know it's time 
I agree with that, Yasmin, because I made, I remember that night I made dua in my bed and I, it was so, the most sincere dua I've ever made in my entire life. And I woke up with that same thing, just truth, overwhelmed with the truth and knowing what yeah. I should and shouldn't do. And at that day I was walked out. Halas, I made my decision, a decision that it was hard. Yeah, for months you're thinking about this. And for, and obviously, and I think divorce should be the last resort in certain situations. And what I mean by that is just what you said, Yasmin, seek spiritual counselors, like I even seek the sheikh. Like I really had to sit down with the sheikh and everything like that because I just didn't want because at that same moment I, I felt like you. yeah I was young. I I wanted to make sure that this was the right decision I was making. Like I, is this what I'm going through right or wrong? Can it be resolved? Can it not? And I sat down with the sheikh and she's yeah, going to be resolved. Like that. you said because I think a lot of people the heat of the moment kind of like sweeps over them and. They don't mean to say things that they're saying. They don't mean to say that that the lock word, you know, three times and that's over. You know what I mean? But sometimes it's like you kind of do need to pull yourself out, give yourself that clarity and not make that heat of the moment decision. Yeah. Oh, and absolutely. that's where a lot of terrible things happen. I agree with you, Zaina. I mean, I can't. Yeah, it's like underscore highlight what you just said. Don't make a mo. Don't make an in the moment decision. This should be something that you mull over. This should be something that you talk to several people about and that you get guidance about and wisdom from other people because some things are really big deals and some things are smaller deals. And it's hard to have a hard and fast rule about what is a big deal and what's a small deal because everyone's core values are different. So everything that makes people tick, like what drives you in life and what creates your sense of respect and wholeness is so different. So I can't tell you one thing, but what I will tell you is that if there's abuse going on, what happens is that abusers will up the ante. They will escalate their abuse to push your boundary to see how much they can go further. And that's why it's important to get professionals involved, especially if you're feeling those high levels of doubt, like, is this marriage going to last? Go talk to professionals about it. Professionals that have, you know, seen so many of these uh, things go down uh, and try to get you and your spouse in the same therapist to, to talk to each other, but also have your own separate therapist to deal with your issues. That's what I would tell you. And um, you know, good luck to the people out there that are, are dealing. I, I know, man, that heaviness, it's, Not it's, fun. it's the worst. It's feeling the mourning and the loss. It's the death of your future idea with someone of your, all of your life plans. It's like the ending of a chapter and it's so final, even though the person's not dead, they have to be dead to you so to speak. And even if you have to co-parent with them, they still have to be kind of dead to you romantically so that you're not co-parenting with someone that you're still trying to hold on to. And they've clearly moved on and they've clearly remarried, et cetera. So I wish them all so much love and clarity and healing. I, I really, my heart goes out to them and that should be a, a dua, you know, that we make you guys for each other as a collective community Allah, Allah. To, for healing, for the people who have illnesses known and unknown, for people who are dealing with things in the, in the, in the secret recesses of their heart, you know, ask God for help for them on their behalf, because you're never going to know when you're going to be in need of the recipient of that mercy. Because sometimes they're going through so much that they even forget to make a dua for themselves. They forget to seek God. They they seclude themselves from their own family. A lot of people that are going through a lot of ish are people who naturally seclude themselves from everybody. They and you and that's why I think it's really important to check on your friends, yes, check on your family, yes. check on people. And I it, it's become so cliche and everybody makes everything cliche these days. But I'm being honest, and this is coming from like actual experience. And I know you right. you've dealt with this. You do tend to seclude yourself. You kind of like really overanalyze totally issues normal so when you're much. 
wounded. Yeah, yeah. yeah but Step away. that's why it's important to make dua on behalf of others. Honestly, we're all a community. We're all together in this. And you always want the best for everybody else if you want the best for yourself, too. And I appreciate your dua so much, Yasmin. They're so, so beautiful. You're the one that reminds us. I think it's good to have somebody, you know, in your corner that reminds you. It's more like just a reminder. And you honestly, I want to thank yes. you for reminding us about like, yes. making I mean, dua for Sometimes ourselves. you need that reminder to kind of pull yourself out of that place that you're in and be like, oh, yeah, like I have this 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 ability to yeah yeah. exactly so like thank you for that reminder i think everyone you have to seek allah he's the one that created honestly this was such an amazing and eye-opening conversation i really hope that everybody that's on social media what is your instagram name so everybody knows i'm yaz guru y-a-s-g-u-r-u yaz guru it is very beneficial for you guys to follow her because her highlights are amazing like i said and i love how you also like kind of break down your highlights so you know whatever issue you're going through click on that highlight mm-hmm. and you give just profound advice on this thank you for consulting us for advising us on certain issues thank you especially so much when related for to this uh, zayna therapy session yeah, <laughs> it's such an important topic when it comes to marriage thank you thank you yasmin wallah we love thank you, you. For this experience i love you I, I i really profoundly um have a lot of respect for women who are trying their best to share their wisdom and their insight to help other people feel like they're less lonely um and it's great that women can do that for men and for women yes and so you know i i um, pray that you guys are elevated and strengthened and that you're given an even wider platform to share your, your beauty with and that as many people as possible can benefit because beneficial knowledge are one of the three things that we leave behind that are still giving to us in this world when we're in the grave, including obviously continuous charity, as well as children or people that we've mentored that make prayers for us. So take that guys very, very seriously. When you speak, don't just pontificate like me, speak from a place of beautiful concision and thought and uh, benefit to people. And hopefully uh, it'll come back. You reap what you sow. Honestly, who needs to be Instagram verified when we just got Yaz gurified? I know. <laughs> I'm being so I serious. When we have her for me girl. well when you give us that sample stamp of approval it really means a lot to us because you're somebody that has put a lot of great and benefit beneficial knowledge out into the world and for our community and across yes. all communities like you said we're all connected thank but thank you thank you from the bottom of our hearts it's mean we love you we and absolutely love you enjoy the rest of your day boo oh go ahead i love you too guys and you can find me on youtube under yes. yes guru too there are sometimes different videos that you can capture on youtube that we're not on instagram just want you guys to know and we are going to link everything you yes, guys yes absolutely for sure thank you girl Welcome back to our unfiltered afterthoughts. I feel like this was, I hope my husband doesn't listen to this episode because I talk about how he doesn't pick up his laundry, how he forgets to pick up the one thing I asked for from the grocery store. It was just me talking about marriage and honestly it felt really good just getting it out you guys the thing is with podcasting you can't see us visually you can only hear us but if you only see how much Zayna wants to interject and say oh my god I can relate oh my god I feel because this I too. feel like we don't talk about this before marriage like we talk about being engaged with our friends our cousins or whatever but we don't talk about like the nitty-gritty of marriage life and how it is to actually live with someone else who does things completely different than you it's not easy and they don't set us up for success by not telling us that like hey you're going to argue with your spouse like it's inevitable and no, they do say that but they don't tell you what you're going to argue about and how to overcome the argument over stupid things yeah it's the stupidest things that we have like these tiny little like i don't even want to call them arguments but like disagreements and they don't 
tell you that stuff like, because really you can don't. have pet peeves and like you can like this person in an engagement period and all that good stuff because you're not like living with living. them but when you live you guys i don't care if it's your husband your wife or friend or whoever roommate it's a different experience when you live with somebody because this person's in your personal space as much as you want to like say this is my space this is your space no you're, you're still in within each other's personal space and the way you live and do things is different than the way they live and do things hence like when guys just do not i just don't understand why they cannot put their freaking boxers in the hamper just throw it in the hamper no okay it's right there i'm gonna complain some more (laughs) that my hamper has like a lid on it he'll put them on the hamper but on the lid it's just like open the lid and put it in like it's just the the craziest okay it's it's bringing back really traumatic memories (laughs) i'm not gonna talk about it but the whole the one thing that i really enjoyed when she was uh talking about like the one tip was when you guys are arguing do not, and Zana, you got excited about this part because it's so true. Do not bring up past things in current arguments. It does not well, that's, that's help what I was anyone. doing. Yeah, that's and what we I all do doing. it because it's like you might as well, if you're going to attack them now, let's just bring it all out. Bring no. it all out. And tell I think them we how need to feel. learn. I need to learn, especially. I feel like I am learning, but just moving on from things, like leaving things in the past, definitely learning from them, but not bringing them out into like the present. Yeah. Leaving them in the past taking what you've learned and moving forward. But also like within your marriage, there's a time and place for everything. Like those arguments, like just me was basically saying, have them when you're both calm. I know that's hard. Like you don't want to bring up things, but I think it's also like the way we speak. I think sometimes we feel so attacked. So we're also in defensive mode. And that's why we say things that we don't really mean to say, but really truthfully at the end of the day, you really love this person. You really want to work it out. This is somebody that you basically said, I want to spend the rest of my life with. Like, why do we argue to this level? You know what I mean? So I think as long as you keep that love and respect as the foundation, inshallah khair for your marriage. <laughs> but it's just like there's a lot of marriages that have been broken up over petty things or or when other people get involved in your marriage. I think that's the worst part. I think that's the saddest part. That always breaks my heart when others get involved and that's why your marriage broke when up. When other people get involved and also when you allow others to yes. affect comparison. We talk about how comparison is the, the thief of joy. It comes in and it just like... The smallest thing, like, oh, he bought her flowers. Do I really want flowers? No, but the fact that he bought her flowers makes me want flowers. It's the stupidest things, but learning to appreciate what you have in your marriage and not let outside forces kind of impact that is one of the biggest things I think you can take away from this episode. Just remember why you said I do. Yeah. Basically, I said I do to Zayna when it came to this podcast. That's true. We're married, we need some marriage counseling here and there. We do. <laughs> everybody, there should be a such thing as friendship counseling, parenting. There counseling. is. I, honestly, I was actually listening to a podcast and they said that both of them went to therapy together. That's so interesting. Like we should do that. And we should like, we yes. should bring in the mics and record that whole session. That would be really interesting. <laughs> no, I'm not doing no. that. <laughs> okay, you just said yeah. Oh my god, I'm divorcing you. <laughs> Goodbye, <Bye>. guys. <laughs>